Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. And welcome back, college hockey fans. It's another week of MNCAA. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. Uh, plenty of talk around the college hockey world. Uh, we'll catch up on all things related to all six Division I Minnesota schools, uh, including the changing of the guard at the top of the coaches' poll. Um, yes, the other team would say that we still own the Parawise, but that's fine. Uh, before we get to that, however, we do have to start out with a intra-Minnesota battle, the dog battle. We do have... The Huskies and the Bulldogs battling it out. Uh, so join us to discuss this wonderful rivalry is Noah Grant for St. Cloud and a Max Beach for Minnesota Duluth. Gentlemen, welcome to the show and welcome to another week of College Puck. Yeah, should be good. I, uh, It's interesting. I don't remember. Maybe it has been in the past couple of years, but it used to be where Duluth in Duluth was like the final game of the season for the Huskies. So to go up to Amsoil this early feels kind of weird. Um, but I think as Max would attest to everything in the Bulldog season has been a little weird and not for the right reasons. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, nice to be here. Like, uh, just to get a little bit of an intro in, but, um, yeah, I have, I have no qualms with what you had said. I, I don't think that anything is wrong about that. It, it has been a weird season, not only from the performance standpoint, just a, a large turnover in the team and just, um, not necessarily where they would expect to be being. Uh, but just based on recent history. So, yeah, there's a, a lot going on. Max is in what we call the acceptance part of the grieving process. So, um, <laughs> uh, oh man, I know I had to. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> it, it, it has been weird though. Um, before we actually get into this rivalry, um, Noah, let's talk about actually probably the biggest news amongst all six schools that it's on the injury front per saying cloud. Yeah. Uh, this one stinks, uh, to say it lightly. Uh, so once you fill our listeners in on what's, what's happened. Yeah. Dylan Anhorn, huh? Before Saturday's game, essentially just warming up, uh, tweak something in his leg. I, I don't have any official report, but the way they made it sound and not being a career ending or career threatening thing, it makes me think ACL, MCL, something like that. Warming up playing soccer probably is what I'm guessing it is, which the timetable would make sense, but he's going to be done for the year. And, uh, you know, a, a dark horse, Hobie Baker, shoe-in candidate nominee, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, um, yeah, really tough for a guy that has really, you know, worked his butt off to have this opportunity and really taken this opportunity in stride. I know his family follows uh, us on Twitter, and I think that, you know, for him to have the season that he was having, especially these guys that you know they're not, you know, the creme de la creme of guys probably going to end up as getting that first really good look out of like an NHL training camp or something for them to earn their professional contract at the next level. You know, you have to have a season like this. I still think he'll definitely get a look, but you know, injuries like that lower body injuries that keep you out for five, six months, that's a difficult thing. So it's a big loss, you know, personally for him. But then like you mentioned on the Huskies front, big loss, defensively i mean it's he's been a key catalyst for them now they've responded with absences to jack Peart, spencer meyer in the past that they've almost kind of rallied behind it so i expect more of the same but the hill just got a little bit more tough to trudge up the mountain for sure 
for those uh, playing the home game, Dylan Anhorn, 25 points on the year, five goals, 20 assists. That's actually fourth best on the team. Uh, a big reason why uh, his absence, uh, you know, maybe not initially, but will certainly be, be missed. As we talked about uh, before the season, Noah, it was that offensive punch from the blue line that the Huskies wanted. Anhorn was that almost seamless answer to that. So it's tough to see. Uh, Max, let's let's talk and shift, uh, shift gears a little bit because – yeah, injury fronts to St. Cloud, but they're in a decent spot right now. Uh, again, number one in the coaches poll, number two in the pairwise. Uh, shall we say, although this is a setback for St. Cloud, uh, let's just say Dulles had its fair, a fair share of setbacks uh, throughout the season too. Yeah, uh, suffered a similar type of thing, although it was you know hockey related, not necessarily um, prior to or otherwise. But uh, Blake Biondi out for the year. I, uh, I think we mentioned it prior on on this as well. But he wasn't having as good of a year as he had last year, or as good as he would have predicted or wanted himself anyway. Um, but to lose a guy like that, that's a, a junior and you know coming into his own anyway, and a presence in front of the net and plays the style that UMD is used to and wants out of their players, um, it stinks. So. Having Anhorn go down is is tough. I, I would imagine and kind of know for for any of the fans there. You mentioned twenty five points. That's still nine more than anybody on UMD has, even though it's <laughs> only fourth best on the St. Cloud squad. There, uh, you mentioned that he was a you know a dark horse for the the Hobie. It would be difficult for you know a defend defensive minded player like that to yeah. to be able to to win it anyway. But if there was somebody, he would certainly be on that list for sure. So. Yeah, um, talking about setbacks again for UMD. Um, there's setbacks all, all over the board there from scoring to defensive play to uh, more penalties on their side than, than they're used to. And, you know, goaltending's in there as well. Granted, we've got some, some good play out of the guys that are there. It's, it's not what they're used to. So before we talk about this matchup, I want to very quickly recap the weekends for both squads. Uh, Max will stick with you. Uh, splitting against North Dakota. Um uh, again, just you talk about a weird season, right? Um, there's no question that uh, when you see North Dakota in seventh place of the NCHC and it's nearly February, and let's be fair, I, I, don't, I mean, again, Noah, we predicted this. Uh, we figured UMD was going to be a top four team in the NCHC or sixth. Uh, this It still feels weird. And uh, there were some positives. There were some other things. I guess recap the weekend there with the split against the Fighting Hawks. Yeah, I mean, it was another tough weekend. It was I was hoping to see a little bit more of the guys, um, but to, for starters anyway, going to the Ralph is always a, a good, exciting, fun environment. It's one of the better road trips, I think, for people from Duluth to take Highway 2 all the way out there. Beautiful arena, beautiful, like, just environment, maybe not North Dakota itself or the city in the middle of the winter. <laughs> uh, but I think you get past that, and that's what makes the hockey so much better once you're there. Uh, but... You know, going into that barn is always going to be a challenge. They've got one of the best fan bases in all of college hockey from an attendance standpoint, maybe not from a, you know, a, a crowd control standpoint in, in all arenas. But Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, they're, they're, they're a good hockey school. And, you know, it's one of the bigger rivalries that we've got in the NCHC as well as I think in all of college hockey right now, at least over the last decade anyway. So to see both of those schools struggling for, for lack of a better term at, at this point in the season was a little bit concerning for what I was expecting expecting out of the environment but uh, both Friday and Saturday games they had a really good turnout really good environment um, atmosphere was was loud as I as as usual anyway um, but I, I was a little bit disappointed on on Friday when when they were out playing in my opinion 
outplaying UND. They had, you know, outshot them and they just held possession a little bit better um, and, you know, better than they had for, for the majority of this year as well. They just weren't able to get the puck in the back of the net. They made a good good push there. Bettons that ended up getting two goals on Friday. Um, but they they come out with a 4-2 loss with an empty netter with five seconds left or whatever. But good pressure anyway. You felt like you were in that game. And then that gave them what what I think was the the catalyst to come back on Saturday and win. And, you know, getting some more of those um, younger guys. Howard has another goal on Saturday to start it off. Um, and then I think Luke Lohite ended up putting the, the last one in yep. as the third period's winding down. So yep. to come away with a 2-1 win there. I'm um, in a hard fought Saturday game and, you know, taking more shots and, you know, losing the, the face off battle again, where you're kind of having to battle to get that puck possession back. Um, it, it's, I don't want to say it's giving me faith in, in what can be done for the remainder of the year, given what their schedule is going to be, but you know, not all hope is lost and it's something to build off of for sure. And for you, Noah, uh, as we've talked with St. Cloud, uh, this team, is, as we've reported on most of the season, this team is good. Uh, they're deep at every single position. But ironically, the NCHC, uh, it's kind of a logjam, especially one through five. Uh, coming into the weekend, there were six back of Denver. Um, again, the hope was at least get a split. Uh, but St. Cloud got more on that. And uh, shall we say, with everything else that transpired, the six points was really helpful for them, especially in the NCHC standings. Yeah, certainly climbing to first, uh, you know, you'll take that any day of the week. I mean, I don't know what team wouldn't, but it's really interesting. Like we've talked about that flip-flop, right, you know, between where Duluth and North Dakota is. I think when you allude to the series that Max was talking about, your biggest fear if you were at the top of the table was to see one of those teams take a sweep. So I think like in terms of NCHC, I think all teams were happy to see Duluth and North Dakota split and both of them in regulation. Um, But on the other side for St. Cloud, yeah, they did everything they had to do. I, I had predicted a sweep kind of aggressively last week. I don't, I didn't get the scores right for sure, but it doesn't really matter because this kind of is a testament to the St. Cloud team. They've had a couple blips in the road. We've talked about that before the Miami game, Bemidji probably on that Friday night. But other than that, you know, losses against Western Denver and Minnesota, <laughs> those are not three bad teams to lose to. And obviously puts them in a really good spot in the pairwise as well, too. So one of the differences, you know, for St. Cloud, I think is not that David Rennick, you know, struggled. He was exceptional during his fifth year, but having a one-two goaltender tandem where we talked about it, where either of those goaltenders could probably be a starter in most mm-hmm. of the schools in the NCHC. That's a scary combination where you look and say, oh, the guy with a 938 struggles night. Why don't we put the guy with a 932 in? Oh, oh, oh no. You know, so I, I think that's been a really good catalyst. They've worked from the back end up. Guys like Dylan Anhorn before injury. Defensive core has been rock solid, and that leaves the offense some breathing room to just feel like they can contribute. So um, it was a good weekend overall. Bit of a gritty win, two to nothing on the second night, which you like to see. But uh, winning the pairwise battle against more and more opponents as you go through and even though Max's Bulldogs are in the low 30s, one thing he does know very well is that pairwise comparisons are very critical. Ask him about, seriously, sit down and ask Max about his pairwise comparisons. You'll be there for about three hours. That much I can tell you. So it's true. So so let's talk about what we have, right? It's the, the you know, the, the dog uh, fight here, guys. Um, Max, let's start with this kind of an anecdotal question. That is, you know, the last couple of seasons, I would say argue three to five seasons, this has been a circled rivalry on the calendars. Uh, both teams have been, uh, I guess, similar in terms of skill, in terms of, you know, how these teams play the game. Um, again, how coaches shared the same bench at one time. 
Uh, there's a lot to like about this. This year, the the intrigue just doesn't seem to be at the same level. Again, part of it is because St. Cloud's having such a good season. UMD, uh, again, struggling. Uh, do you feel the same way, or is there still intrigue in this series? I think there's definitely still intrigue. Um, there's some bad blood that's lingering between the two teams from you know last year's antics that went on in the the regular season series that were played, and just you know a lot of history before that as well. So all the upperclassmen and people that have been around on on both sides are going to want to win this game for bragging rights, and they know each other. They've played with each other for a long time, either growing up or in the NCHC here. So. Um, and I think that goes to the coaches as well. You mentioned it being on the same bench. They do play very similar styles in terms of how they want to be playing, whether you know one team's executing better or not at this point in, in time is a completely different subject. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what's built up this rivalry is um, who's able to execute better that night. And, you know, those big plays that, that make all the difference in the games. And hopefully that's what it'll come down to, because if it's not one of those big plays, um, I've, I've got some some doubts and some questions in my mind about how things are going to play out. But um, for if history has anything to say about it, it should be a good game regardless of who's doing better in the series or you know in the season overall because it, it's always close. Noah, agree or disagree? Oh, agree one hundred percent. I think if you're a Huskies fan, um, you know it, it's a good spot to be in uh, to be in this mindset. But you're kind of panicked about the end of the the push to the playoffs. Eight of your last ten, right, are teams that are essentially almost below five hundred or below five hundred or on the outside or way on the outside looking in on the pairwise. This is kind of a doomsday scenario for a team that wants to stay in the top five in pairwise and stay pat in the NCHC. Duluth as usual, could be a disruptor here as we push towards, you know, February and March. I mean, you can't count this team out. Uh, you know, if they make it, uh, you know, past the first round of the playoffs and the frozen faceoff, all bets are off, right? We talked about that uh, and we previewed it on our, our show, Nick. For Duluth, you're really focused about playing your best when it comes to March because you still have a chance. The door is still open as of right now. You you have to play your best hockey there. What a great test to see the second best or first best team in the country, depending on polling pairwise and play them four times and really get yourself geared up for that opportunity. Right. These two teams very well. I max is hoping probably not, but they very well could somehow meet in the first round of the NCHC playoffs. I mean, it's very possible. And as St. Cloud fans know home ice advantage is not necessarily home ice advantage when you're playing the Bulldogs. So um, it's interesting. You look at the statistics, Max, I hate to hate to kill you here, but overall in the season, St. Cloud has only allowed two more goals against during their entire schedule than Minnesota Duluth has allowed in conference play only 46 to 44. So statistically, there's a lot of advantages here, but at the end of the day, it's still a hockey game. Colorado College proved that, you know, with their opportunity, um, you know, and the season that they're having. The NCHC is not your grandpa's NCHC this year. It, it, it has a lot of intrigue for this matchup simply because Duluth has absolutely nothing to lose. If they nothing. get swept this weekend, okay, well, what about it, you know, versus, um, I believe North Dakota's at Miami, though, so you might want to pick up a couple of points. Um, but nice. <laughs> but uh, if you're St. Cloud, you have everything to play for here because you need to play well, one, for confidence and make sure you're keeping the train rolling, but two, let's be honest, NCHC implications and Duluth is low 30s in the pairwise, man. Like that's something like a even a split could pull you down to maybe like three or four. It's not out of the question. 
They're 31. So they're, they're high 30s, I guess, depending on which way you want to consider low. Yeah, I would um, say low isn't a good thing, I guess. Got yeah. it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Um, that's, um, it's not good. <laughs> got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I will tell you this. From experience, losing bad games hurts you in the pairwise a lot more than winning good games. Because UMD has swept teams like Cornell, who are in the top 10, and means nothing at this point. So that's a decimal followed by like five zeros followed by a one. Let's throw it back to that year. Um, But that's the thing. Like that's the danger. It's like Duluth is not even in the same parking lot in front of the Herbrooks national hockey center. They're in the, they're in the student parking up the hill around the corner. That's how far away they are from the pairwise. That's a scary thing to have to match up when you're sitting number two, trying to climb that extra spot. Yeah. So, so next, let's talk about maybe some positives, right? That could translate from this UND series. Um, here's a fun stat because Noah Grant likes stats. Um, I like analytics, um, advanced or not. Um, this entire season, UMD, how many games have they won when they've allowed more than three goals? Oof. Uh, based on their inability to score more than three goals, uh, I would say two. I'm going to go with zero. Oh, I, uh, I knew there was one. It, for was sure. West, it was Western Michigan yes. five to four. Yeah. So the formula is there, right? And it's been more of, well, that is Scott Sandlin hockey. That's not, you know, uh, the, you know, the best kept secret. It's in fact, it's the worst kept secret, but it, it kind of shows you just, you know, if you take that stat into play really where the struggle has been, it, it's been, if, if your defense is there, you got a chance. Um, and, you know, at the end of it, even if you have that, the offense has to also carry some load, too. So I guess, Max, if you're trying to steal a point and, and try to get into the 20s and the pairwise, um, or more so try to play spoilers, Noah Grant yep. alludes to for St. Cloud, um, there is an opportunity here, who, you know, from what we saw this last week on the UND, is it, is it attainable? Um, it is attainable. What it's going to require is something that UMD has not had this year or at the end of last year, and that's good bounces going their way. So um, St. Cloud leads UMD in power play, penalty kill, face-off, goals for, goals against, save percentage, and shot percentage. We don't have enough time for all the stats, but keep going. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so they've got a, a pretty hefty advantage, some would say. UMD on the year, believe it or not, has more shots than St. Cloud by it's 739 to 674. So by quite a few, but when you're talking about the same number of games, there, they've got a full game of extra shots. They just don't have them going in, whether that's, you know, they don't have as many power plays, which they don't. St. Cloud has 92 versus UMD 76, which is a wild stat, if you ask me, and obscene. <laughs> and, you know, I don't like to talk about the Zebras too much on the, the podcast here, but on, there's on, some people on, that... Twi- on Twitter is a different story. Right, yeah. I, I say with the, with the right officiating crew, a full moon, and a west wind, the Bulldogs have a chance, according to Max, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at here. But also, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, Noah, is, you know, St. Cloud has two of the top five goalies in the nation when you're, go- when you're talking about save percentage on the year. So, yeah, is that daunting regardless of who you're going up against? And I think you guys have been going one each Friday and Saturday, mm-hmm. if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So... Yep. Um, it, it doesn't really matter who you're going up against. You just have to find a way to get the puck past them. And that's going to require some, some good bounces, good luck. And, you know, whether it's defensive zone turnovers that they can capitalize on um, or, you know, shorthanded attempts, which are few and far between for UMD this year, you have to take those when you have them, because if you don't, it's going to be a, a really tough climb. 
So let's let's talk about shots, Noah, because um, yeah. you know we here at you know at MNCAA are elite hockey minds, right? We know how these things work. Um, <laughs> sure. Well, at least we think we do. Um, so sometimes it's not the amount of shots, but it's also where they're coming from, right? Yeah. Noah, one of the things that St. Cloud has really done well this uh, this year is keeping a very good defensive structure and, and realistically keeping a lot of pucks to the outside. So um, shall we say that? Yeah go ahead have your shots or they're all coming from the corner of the blue line and you know dominic bassey or jackson caster has got vision on it the whole way um you should say you know the what shall we say that the nfl like you know whereas the nhl now has like face off probability anytime that they line up how about shot go in probability it's 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 got to be a little bit in the favor of the huskies yeah. it's coming from distance well they usually talk about uh, shooting inside the house basically you draw an imaginary mm-hmm. house from the high slot out to the dots and down to the goal line there but you know it's interesting i actually have i went to Duluth's website and i pulled up their team statistics right everything they they have is very like 500 or around there like it's it's interesting their stretch has been you know if they're getting really good goaltending they can't score when they're scoring four they're giving up six you know what i mean like they just the games like max said they haven't they haven't really given themselves a chance to get a bounce officiating aside it's like they put themselves in the position far too often where they're not comfortable they're not comfortable enough to say okay we're playing well enough we've got a two goal lead we've kind of got it locked down it's all oh it's tied or it's one one goal i don't really know and you talked about limiting chances in the middle of the ice actually shot percentage wise 7.4% to 10.4% Duluth gives up more high danger opportunities than they're creating offensively so you pair that with a St. Cloud team which i would imagine those are flipped for how St. Cloud has been playing this year it is yep. an uphill battle but at the same time, what will the change without Dylan Anhorn look like? You know, mm-hmm. that might be something that will be a little bit different. And here's a doomsday scenario for Huskies fans, because you know that they've already calculated those in their head, I'm sure. What if Duluth wins all four of these matchups, Nick? I mean, they they would jump. They would be a top 20 team. Like, there's no way they're not. So it's like you have to bring your A game. We saw this with the Colorado College Series. We saw this with the Miami Series. Yes, you come off a great weekend against Minnesota, great weekend against Denver, for example. You still got to play the game and you still got to do things the right way because this Duluth team has shown that, yes, they don't have a lot of firepower, but if they get good goaltending and they hang around in a hockey game, they're in the game. Like it's not, it's not out of the question that they have a chance to win a hockey game. So um, I think there is some intrigue there in terms of shooting percentage and high volume chances. But at the end of the day, you, you have to focus on playing the right way, no matter who you're playing, uh, especially if they're, you know, on the outside looking in. So here's a funny thing. So if Duluth does win all four, um, they would one win prevent the Wisconsin rule. So I guess maybe this is a good thing for UMD fans. Um, <laughs> so so let's talk about this. No, uh, no, we'll stick with you on this because, yeah, it's a doomsday scenario if things don't go the right way. But are we really anticipating that St. Cloud will allow that to happen? I guess if there's anything, you have a carryover from a Denver squad, the reigning national champions, uh, seven to three blowout on Friday, uh, a much more gritty two to nothing win. But uh, remember last season, St. Cloud uh, second half uh, was sort of like when the blocks started to give way, right? Uh, Brent mm-hmm. Larson and certainly returning players do not want to repeat that. Uh, you have an opportunity to kind of put your foot down a bit. Uh, do you really anticipate them to take the foot off the gas this weekend? I think you, you're you on edge a little bit if you give up the first game of the series, right? I think that first game is going to be imperative if you're the Huskies. Even, you know, let's say you split on the weekend, which is, I think from a Huskies perspective, you expect more, but you're not, 
you know, in shambles about it if you lose 4-3 in overtime or something like that, right? Um, but I think if you drop that first one, you know, by a goal or two, I think you start to kind of feel the pressure a little bit to feel like you want to get, you know, back in shape for whatever reason. So I think actually the first game of this series is going to be the most important for St. Cloud just to feel like the train is still rolling. We're still all right. You know, this Duluth matchup isn't going to bring back, you know, think about if you're a junior, senior, fifth year player and you've been in St. Cloud or Duluth for a long time. How many times have you seen each other in this matchup? I mean, you, you, you'd like to say, oh, this Huskies team is better than that. That's not going to get in their head. As a hockey player, it's always in the back of your mind when you're playing teams that you've seen a lot or you feel that there's some sort of connected rivalry with. Um, so I, I think that the Huskies aren't worried, but you know they have a chance to shoot themselves in the foot kind of thing. Um, and you, you like to, you know, keep the gun in the gun closet, obviously, and not point it anywhere near your own self, for example. So um, I think uh, the Huskies, Great analogy, by the way, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think the Huskies will be all right. I, I'm anticipating a sweep, but I definitely think at least one of the games is going to give St. Cloud a little bit more for their money than they really want, if that makes sense. And Max, I guess if you're Duluth, again, as you mentioned before, if it's offense, the defense isn't there and vice versa. There's haven't been like a complete effort, but again, this, you still have a chance at this, right? So, but I guess how important is the start, right? As Noah mentioned, the first game is probably going to be the one that tips the scales the most um, opportunity, maybe to jump on them early. If you can get an early start, get some confidence rolling. Is that your ticket to uh, a successful weekend um, or, you know, is this really where we're trying to try to put together a 60 minute effort finally, even though again, we're at the end of January, it's never too little to wait here in the NCHC. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's three real keys to me and it's the start, not only the start of the series on the Friday night, but the start of the game in general, UMD is not built this year. Like some other schools in the NCHC are to be playing from behind. They need to be playing at least at an even level, or if they can you know, hold on to a goal, um, they're, they're much more comfortable and they're much more well suited, um, to, to be doing that. Um, number two is zone entries. I still have seen almost nothing that I like about the way that UMD is playing. And that has a lot to do with, again, we've mentioned it before their size and, and lack of experience with the, the college level and the NCHC in particular. Um, but if they're able to get a little bit of control and maintain that and, you know, have more puck possession than you're giving it up right away, um, that would be big. And then, you know, on that defensive end, if you're able to limit some of those um, high scoring opportunities for these bigger guys and get them frustrated and, you know, maybe get somebody that's, you know, leaning a little bit and taking some penalties and finally getting some of those to go your way. They're not a bad team when you're hey, talking about their power play. Easton Brodzinski has gone, so you might have oh, a yeah. battle. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not guaranteed three a game anymore, so. Um, yeah, the UMD is not terrible on the power play. They do have their struggles. They're still, you know, near that, that 25% mark. I think they're at 23 or so right now, but penalty kill they're, they're fine. They're just, they've got so much experience on it this year that they they better be good good enough at it anyway. Um, I just would hope that they don't have to be playing that way. So if they can keep their own cool, keep control of the puck and, you know, take advantage of an opportunity early and hold on to that lead. That's that's how they're going to have to do it. Yeah, ahead, well, I actually I have a Max Veach question. And I was trying to figure this out. I don't I'm not able to access it quick enough, but I was just looking at overall records. When is the last time Minnesota Duluth finished outside of a home playoff spot besides last year? 
Oh, I was just going to say last year because I thought that's what you're alluding to. Yeah. But um, like 2013, 14, they were like 500. Um, and yeah, 2012 season sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a it's been a hot minute as they. Young yeah, it's been a long time. Because um, right after, or I guess two years technically after that, that first 2011 um, championship season, I don't know if you guys know that we won the championship in 2011. <laughs> I know you guys don't know. What I didn't know like, that. That was a, that was a hell yeah. of a hockey game, though, by the way. Yeah. Um, it, well, it was. It's one of my favorites to look back on, especially when you're talking about beating Michigan. I love it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just shortly after that that they had a real, real down year. Um, There's a lot of people that were pretty disappointed with that one. But, I mean, you go back to last year even. They were 500 and maybe even a game below going into um, the, the NCHC tournament. So we were talking about not, Wisconsin. I, I think I yeah. found it. I think 2014-15, they were they were in fifth by two points. Denver was fourth. Miami was second. Oh, that was the Miami here. The wow. one single. <laughs> How about that, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, they were they were just shy of 500 going into the the you know postseason last year. I call it the postseason when you're talking about the NCHC tournament, but um you know they're not far off from it right now but you look at their schedule to finish the year last year versus their schedule to finish the year this year it's a much different scenario where you've got st cloud twice denver and western michigan who are the three teams that are in top i don't know what western's at right now 12 or 14 i think the last time i looked but top 15 teams in the nation western Um, michigan currently is number nine number nine so three top 10 teams in the nation and, and two, you're playing the number one team twice. So they do have a series against Miami in there. Fingers crossed that if they're able to sweep that and, you know, go 500 against all these other two, these other schools, um, you're talking about a, a team that, that can make some, some waves and gain a lot more confidence going into the postseason. I don't know that that would be enough to make it into a, you know, at large pairwise spot. My guess would be no, but um, there would be some pretty, pretty big statement wins in there, especially if these other NCHC schools that are on the schedule uh, maintain or even climb from their current position. Can we clip that that phrase that Max just said? Fingers crossed, we sweep Miami if we play them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. By the way, nine points out of a home playoff spot. Western at twenty five, Duluth at sixteen. Do you think it's feasible that they could get home ice, or do you think it's kind of out of the question? Uh, I think it is a very, very long stretch. Obviously, mathematically, being a math minor, not to brag, uh, it is feasible. Um, I, I think it is. Technically. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it tough. is pretty far-fetched. Um, I would have to look at what Omaha and Western schedule looks like to finish out the year, but based on the fact that UMD is playing all these high-seeded teams, I would imagine that they've got some some a little bit easier opponents uh, on most of these weekends. So yeah, I, I do think it would be pretty tough for them to make up such a big margin there. All right, boys, real quickly, as we uh, are running out of time here, um, we'll do, we'll go prediction time. Um, let's see how non-biased each of you two go. Uh, Noel, we'll start with you. <laughs> yeah. Husky sweep. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go three, one on Friday. Um, like I said, probably the more pivotal game and I'm going to go four, three and overtime on Saturday. I think the Bulldogs Ooh. are going to get at least one game where I think they're going to, have a little bit of magic i mean they are at home you know so like let's not count that out uh so i i think it'll be a little bit more interesting but i think the huskies still come away with at least five crucial points if not six um but should be good max um so as as much as the he's so stunned (laughs) yeah as much as the anhorn injury hurts you guys and don't get me wrong i am not calling it a good thing i do think it is a catalyst for the guys that are still there to go out there play hard not necessarily for him but just 
prove that they're able to maintain a high level of play. Um, so I think St. Cloud takes the Friday night game, which is unfortunate for the momentum that we were talking about. Um, I think 4-3 is probably a stretch for Duluth in terms of scoring, so we'll just call it 4-2. Um, and I'm still not sure whether or not that would include an empty netter, but we're going 4-2. Um, and then Saturday, I'm saying UMD wins in overtime, but it's going to be a 2-1 game because I can't I can't say that there's going to be more, more goals than that on the Wow. I'll just say this both of you are pathetic as both of you are trying to like give each other kudos points there on the Saturday game. It's like okay. no, no, we, we got the most important game on Friday here. Okay. Have, okay. Have any point. Okay, hot shot. What what's your prediction then? I think Huskies sweep and then they're both in regulation. I what really are, do. What are the scores? Seven one and ten nothing? Like what, no. what do you got? <laughs> no, I th- honestly I think it's gonna be five to two on Friday, and okay. I think it's gonna you know, I'm gonna go bold. Let's go four nothing on Saturday. Oh, Ooh. ouch. I mean, yeah. I know we, I, know, I mean, I know we you don't said hot like, shot. So I'm, I'm just, you know, going to, I mean, I know, with it. I mean, I know we don't like Max, but like, we got to pretend we like him at least on the show a no, little bit. We like Max. <laughs> it's the referees that don't like Max and his bold eyes. Come That's on. fair. That's fair. You know, if I was a little bit nicer to them, we might get a couple more calls. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. have to change my tune pretty quick. Here. I don't know. But you have to change and... that uh, stock, you know, email sent out to the officiating crew every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Between you and go Huskies. Woo. I don't think there's a winner in the referee shaming department. Honestly, no. yeah, probably not. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's and, and to be fair, right? And last little bit here, guys, before we head out, the the, the officiating has been, shall we say, uh, less than consistent this year. That's I think that's a fair fair bite. Yeah, I would say officiating not only for the NCHC, but like when we're playing the Minnesota State teams or some of these CCHA teams, Bemidji, we had saw some of the same same antics. I don't know what you want to call it, but it was just questionable stuff all over the place. And I never really want to blame them. They got a really tough job. I wouldn't want to be in that position. I'm not saying I could do it better for lack of everything here. Let me qualify what I'm about to say with that. But when everybody at home is like questioning what's going on, it's, it's pretty um, disheartening to see. I just don't know that there's a good solution to it. I really hope that the Huskies go into a shootout. Well, I don't hope they go into a shootout, but I hope if they're in a shootout, they come in and they shoot the puck and then they push the rebound across right next to somebody's pad after Duluth had a chance to seal the game and then some guy made a pseudo hooking call. How does that sound? Pseudo. Pseudo. That out. <laughs> it's not as bad as, you know, in, you know, West Point. Steve Avery, the, the pseudo dive, even though yeah. it wasn't dive. Oh, geez, that clip. My gosh. <laughs> well, you guys are, are familiar with all of the dives that are out there as well with Minnesota oh, last yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Including yeah. a jersey tug. It was great. So Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor isha having to clip this show we just took 35 minutes of people's precious time <laughs> so good that's why we're here right guys we love to talk hockey all things college hockey in the state of hockey again hockey day minnesota here that coming up this saturday plenty of high school college as well as professional uh games to come your way starting on friday again the main broadcast event on saturday again and it also carries over into some stuff on sunday so it is a celebration of our great game and there's plenty more to talk to here on mnc to play stick around there's plenty more to come here right after this. And as we continue our tour around the state of Minnesota in 
I suppose, uh, preview of Hockey Day coming up this Saturday. Uh, plenty of college hockey still yet to be played. So now we're joined by Alex Micheletti and Marissa Voss to talk Minnesota State Mavericks. Uh, Alex, Marissa, welcome back in. Hello. Thank you. It's been a while. Alex has been taking the reins <laughs> for me because I've been working. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a good good stretch of hockey for the Mavericks. Uh, you know, three sweeps in a row. So we'll see if they can can make it a fourth here this upcoming weekend. There's a potential there too. Um, before we get to that, let's talk about the the latest win streak, shall we? Um, let's we'll just put it this way: um, if you didn't sweep this, I think all of Minnesota would have had questions and and would have started planning your funeral. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Marissa, again, uh, Lake Superior State, not only uh, last place in the CCHA, but also unfortunately not one of the best teams in college hockey in fact mm -hmm. i think bottom five in the pairwise um let's just put it this way it was a sweep but it, it was the scoreboard was close it, it maybe cl too close for comfort for some right yeah absolutely i think i was tweeting out and i was getting a little controversial but i would say i was definitely of those ones being like okay msu fans excited but this is still lssu and they're taking us to overtime on one of the games and then it's another close win on another so this series yes we swept it but is it a complete win no we're playing one of the worst teams we're playing the worst team in the ccha and one of the worst teams in college hockey right now so um definitely was a little bit of a nail biter still which makes me very tentative on saying win streak really good really awesome because it just feels like still at home we're not that good like this should have been a lock key throwaway dumpster of a series and here we go still being like what is happening in Mankato? Alex, let's let's flip the argument a bit, right? So <laughs> Yeah, uh, please. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can talk about Lake Superior and their struggles, you know, uh, this year. It's 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 clearly documented, but mm -hmm. you almost have to give them a bit of a credit for, you know, for at least not bowing down to make things difficult. Again, uh, offense has been a struggle for them. You could say defense has been a struggle. Everything's been a struggle for them, right? right. Um, I'm surprised that the, you know, the anchor that is, that hasn't been, you know, more of like the boat sank for them so far. So um, is it really a testament to Minnesota State not being as sharp or is it just that Lake Superior is just, it's just trying to play for pride at this point? Oh, yeah, it's all pride. I mean, you saw on Saturday they dressed eight defensemen. So you you knew when they were pulling that strategy out that they were just going to park the bus and uh, try to shut things down, you know, go full uh, Bemidji State on the bit. Um, and, you know, they did all weekend. They they, you know, they played hard. And when, you know, when you're playing a top dog like we talked about last, um, last episode when we were previewing the series, um, you're, you're just playing for pride, trying to take down the best in the league at, at that point. And, you know, they almost pulled it off on Friday. Um, yes. You know, it took uh, took some heroics by Akita Hirose, who's been just a, a stalwart and was, you know, named defenseman of the week in the CCAJ. And so I, I still don't know what this team would do without him and Jake Livingstone. I mean, they they would be nowhere where they are right now. I know they've been struggling, but, you know, without those two guys, you know, I don't know where this team would be. I don't know where this team would be had Lake Superior <laughs> pulled off the upset in exactly. overtime, uh, just real. considering the pairwise implications. Mm -hmm. uh, that did not happen. So what that means is Minnesota State in 13, you're still kind of still in a bubble situation. Mm -hmm. uh, so Marissa, let's kind of switch gears. Let's actually look ahead now. Okay. You have, shall we say, another vulnerable opponent in Ferris State. But as you mentioned, there's still a lot to be desired here. Um, uh, Ferris State is, again, uh, fifth, I believe, in the in the CCHA. Mm -hmm. 
Again, they're a beatable team. They're below you guys. Uh, Mavericks currently sitting in second place in the conference. Uh, but if last weekend was any indication, uh, you still got to go out and play 120 minutes of hockey and, and not take anything for granted. Absolutely. And and we, we got swept by Ferris, um, if I'm not mistaken. So that's another big thing where it's still a component. We're still pretty vulnerable. We're going to their house right now and this week. And But we have proved to be better on the road, which is very interesting to me because last year it was definitely flip-flopped that we were amazing at home and not as well, as good on the road. So it's just is proving to me maybe we're a road team this year for some weird reason. But they're, they're still... They're still a good component, but we we can beat them. And, you know, even skating by LSSU, I think that's still really good for our confidence, for the momentum, for pushing forward, realizing, hey, we can win these games. We can do this. You know, we just have to have faith in what everything and, you know, we have to have, to have faith in our goaltending and the guys up front. And we've obviously seen Brendan Furry a couple more times doing some good stuff in Akita Hiroshi. So I'm I'm definitely confident that we're going to come out and we're still going to sweep, I think, just because we're better on the road. But the guys are putting stuff together and it, it is really exciting to see. Alex, is this MSU team peaking at the right time? Uh, again, there's still, uh, what, four to five weeks left in the regular season uh, for mm -hmm. most college programs. Uh, but again, this team has been up and down, up and down. And now finally, it seems like there's some traction. Um, is that a bit over the head, maybe a bit, or is it just more of a testament that your schedule has, I think St. Cloud fans would say a bit easy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a perfect storm of things. Uh, you know, the the schedule's getting easier, but they are also getting some key contributors to finally, you know, step up and play like, you know, they have in in previous seasons and you got a guy like David Cillier who's got 17 goals on the year, you know, that, you know, tied for second in, in the country. He's he's playing his butt off and uh, you know, Ryan Sandlin, um, Brennan Fury, they're starting to, you know, go on their streaky, streaky scoring streaks at, at the right time. And they're getting good goaltending from Keenan Rancier. Um, he's kind of, you know, taking the job and, and run with it. And so, yeah, just a, you know, kind of a perfect storm and, you know, the Mavericks will take it, um, you know, and getting a guy like, uh, Simon Tassie to join the lineup. It's kind of like a, like a mid season transfer almost. Uh, I mean, he scored in his first college game, not, not a, not a bad way to, to start to score right away. And, you know, I guess, you know, playing a team like Lake Superior that, that made it easier for him to, uh, to get his feet wet, but, uh, yeah, he's going to be uh, huge for this team too. And, uh, going into playoffs and hopefully they get a guy like Lucas Souter back too. Um, and, you know, because he's been a, a, a you know a good scorer for the for the Mavericks in past seasons. So yeah, just perfect timing. I have to check on cap friendly to make sure that Minnesota State is not using <laughs> too much LTIR and what that cap diff is. Um, we'll maybe ask Tampa Bay to, to do some research on that. <laughs> but uh, Marissa, you talk about home ice. You know, here's the thing: home ice is great, but there's no such thing as a home ice game mm -hmm. come playoff time, except in the conference play, right? So. Yep. Home ice could become an issue if it is conference, and let's just say Minnesota State still in that, uh, you know, maybe eleven to fifteen range. Um, you certainly want to put yourself in the best position uh, to try to get an at-large bid, or heck, if you can, you know, 
win the CCHA tournament. Um, is that more of a concern for them than it is now, or uh, are we blowing this whole mice thing out of proportion? I think it's just a little bit too soon to look at all of that right now. Um, whenever I would interview any of the guys, and my dog has a lot of takes on this too, as you can tell, but like the whining to hear in the back. Opinion, uh, honestly, I think he's saying the same things I'm saying. So it, it's all good. If you hear that, he's agreeing with me 110%. But the biggest thing I think is that just not to look too far ahead right now. Like this is what we need to do is series by series, game by game, week by week. And I know if I was still interviewing the guys, they'd say the same thing is that it would just be those types of things. We don't want to look too far. Every time I would ask the guys, hey, what about playoffs? What about this? What about that? They'd go, we just were worrying about the next series and the next series and the next series. And when that time comes, then we will be. <laughs> You're kidding. You're kidding. What is happening? For those, okay. who are, for those at home who do not have the video version, and Marissa's dog quite somebody clip that willed yes willed himself uh, to Marissa's attention. <laughs> oh, my oh my god, my dude! Gosh. Oh my god! You, you okay, I think I just up. got. I, she's doing it. He's doing it again. He's doing it again. Okay, oh we're gonna gosh. we're gonna take a brief break. Alex, how about you take it over? So yeah, let's do this, it. Alex. Uh, let's preview a bit of uh, this matchup again with Ferris State. As Marissa had mentioned before, uh, got swept. So you have not won against Ferris State right. uh, yet this year. But again, this was back earlier in the season. Minnesota State, again, as we've been talking about, has uh, sort of found its groove at the right mm -hmm. time. Ferris State has been, well, consistently inconsistent, if that's a thing. Uh, so on the road, again, for whatever reason, you guys just can win on the road, not at home. Right. Um, I guess if you put that together, the puzzle piece should be good uh, news for Minnesota State. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the goaltending was just an absolute roller coaster at the beginning of the season. Um, uh, that that did not do this Maverick team any any favors. Um, any shot on goal on them was, you know, you never knew if it was going to go in or not. Um, so, um, I think that improved play has has you know settled things down, and you know the team. Uh, doesn't have to worry as much. Um, you know, I think they were overthinking things and trying to overcompensate for for poor goaltending, um, and they, they haven't had to have that in past seasons because Dryden um, would always save the day if there was a defensive miscue. And so you're getting improved goaltending, and you're getting guys that are scoring that weren't scoring at the beginning of the season and so yeah i think they should be confident going even going into a you know a fair state building that's that's smaller um and you know might be a little bit more quieter but uh yeah they they should have all the confidence in the world that they can sweep again and uh marissa real quickly for you uh ferris state 36 in the pairwise so mm -hmm. you talk about a potential you know depth charge situation here for minnesota state you're trying not to sink yourself uh, I, I guess what are the keys for Minnesota State to come out uh, with what probably would be two necessary wins on the road? Yeah, absolutely. Getting all of our lines contributing, especially on the um, the front lines and the forward, just getting those guys that we can, getting Tassie into the game as much as possible because he's antsy. He wants to prove himself. Obviously, he did that last weekend. Um, and just really playing some good hockey, making sure our D is protecting, I'm assuming Keenan's going to be in net, Rancier's going to be in net. So really protecting him, making sure that the puck is in um, our our offensive zone um, as much as possible. Our zone, we maintain that puck possession and really just try to get shots. I want to see like a high shots on goal game from Friday and Saturday just because if you keep 
keep rifling that puck at the net, one of them is bound to go in. So really just making sure we're keeping them out of our zone, getting the puck into their zone, and then just scoring as much as possible. And I think that those are going to be some great components for a um, Maverick sweep. So let's uh, roll the dice here at the craps table here, ladies and gentlemen. Alex, so your predictions on the weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go sweep again. They're they're hot. You know, they have to keep winning, and they know that. And uh, a loss would be devastating in the pairwise. And so... Uh, you know, they've, they've dominated this team in the past and I think they've, they've figured out their warts. Like we talked about earlier in the episode and, uh, you know, Keenan Rancier's hot in net right now. And so I think he, uh, shuts down the door, uh, both, both nights. And, and Marissa, how do you keep the dogs from attacking? I'm not talking about the one in your room. <laughs> oh my God. Keep that dog. Well, first off, you lock the dog out, out of your room and you do the same thing for this fair state team. You, you, you don't give them any chances to even have a glimpse of anything. You, you keep them out. You don't do anything. It, it, it's just, we've obviously, again, like when this happened, when they swept us, we were like, what is happening? And they're a good team. They have that. They've shown that. I also know that it's hard to sweep this Maverick team twice in a schedule and I don't think we're going to let that happen. So um, I'm, I'm predicting a sweep. Mavericks are going to sweep um, at their house. I don't care what happens. I think like Alex said, we're on a good streak. We're really getting the confidence momentum boost, but just, just lock them down on defense. Just don't let them even get the pucks. And if they do put bodies on bodies, like let's get physical. You know what I mean? Maybe not like Ryan Reeves physical or Jake Mid- Middleton physical, but, but, but physical enough. Not Ryan Reeves versus Philip Roman. No. <laughs> well, one thing we can say is that, uh, let's just say uh, the Bulls have definitely got the horns pointed up mm-hmm. there down in Mankato <laughs> and uh, looking to keep, uh, I guess, the charge rolling, right? So yes. hook them, uh, or is it uh, hook them horns? No, that's Texas. Horns up. Horns, up. Just horns up. up. Hashtag horns up. for Hashtag life. horns up. It's so weird, though. That's the thing is I'm, every time I'm like horns up and then I'm like, are, is this a copyright thing? Like, I'm always like, are we... Nah. copywriting them because nah. well, i don't know we're better they, they're copying us let's put it that way right? <laughs> yeah, there we go there we go all righty guys thanks again very much for joining us it's now time to bring in our good friend ryan steeg to catch up on the uh well she's a very rich st thomas hockey squad <laughs> 75 mil And now join us as mentioned, Ryan Steger. Steger, I hear talk things St. Thomas. Uh, Ryan, <clears throat> last week it was about uh, dollars and cents. Um, this week it's going to be about, uh, how about this, wins and losses. Um, and uh, shall we say this, um, you almost had two of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, uh it was an interesting weekend. You know, if you look back at the tech series, it could have very easily been a four game winning streak for St. Thomas right now. They only lost two, nothing in the first game against tech. You know, I think I consider it a one, nothing game because the second was an empty netter. They won Saturday and then you go to Bowling green, they win Thursday. And then Friday they had a lead BG tied it with just over a minute left. And then it went to I a shootout. that storyline so, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> nope, never. Read Thomas, that since, since Thomas kind of reverted back to <laughs> old <laughs> self, really, at, at that time. And Rico actually said, he goes, I wish we had a second chance like that because we know how to defend the net better than that. <laughs> and so, at, uh, everybody but, has a better second chance when you watch the tape, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> Very much. But yeah, it was, it was, it was an impressive series i i i thought they'd get a win 
and they ended up kind of this close to getting two. So yeah, it was a great weekend. Was this a little shocking? Uh, again, Ryan Bowling Green at at top of the CCHA, um, they're kind of in an island with Minnesota State as far as trying to pull away uh, from the rest of the CCHA field. Now, granted, St. Thomas. They're showing that they're a second-half team again, kind of, and uh, we got a little bit more evidence to support that this past weekend. I, I guess what was most impressive about the way that they played this weekend that ended up getting, um, again, a win Thursday and then probably should have had two, uh, albeit a, uh, you know, unfortunately some late lead give-ups that they've been unfortunately accustomed to the first year and a half of their existence. I guess what stood out to me was the consistency You know, so, you know, I'm so used to St. Thomas, you know, playing good maybe one night and then, you know, either taking a step back the next night or tripping over themselves Friday and then, you know, come together and getting a win on the next night. So they played well from start to finish Thursday and then until BG tied it, you know, to force overtime, they were good from start to finish, you know, in that game too, it was it's like they finally are coming together. You know, they're putting it all together. It's been, you know, it was, we have a good first period and then two bad periods. And then it became, we have two good first periods and a bad third period. But now it's like good, good, good all the way through. It's, they're becoming a 60 minute team or against, you know, Friday's game was more like a 58 minute team. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, I, the consistency is what impressed me the most. It was, uh, I, I was expecting them to play well. I didn't, I wasn't expecting to come within a whisker of getting a sweep of the current leader of the conference though. So it's an interesting dynamic, right? Ryan, because you know, this team, we haven't talked about this since probably the beginning of the year, but for those who, who forgot 17 new faces on this roster uh, from last year. So, I mean, you can almost say that, you know, everybody, you know, that could dress minus yeah. three players um, is brand new to this hockey squad. Right. Um, so is it fair that we were as harsh on St. Thomas earlier in the season as we have been? Because I mean, and, and maybe is it too early to say that they're kind of out of the rut? Maybe. Um, but I think when you kind of put what we've seen lately, uh, what we, you know, you know remind ourselves of who this team actually is how young they are uh, i guess you know if the trend continues this weekend i mean is the sky the limit for the saint thomas squad could they become the ultimate dark horse well i'll answer the first part were we too harsh maybe a little i think um you know we raised our standards a little bit you know it's their second year they should be better so we expected a little more and they got off to a slow start um but at the same time, like you mentioned, there were a lot of new faces. You're getting guys into a new system. And it's not easy. You know, I'll give Rico credit, you know, to inherit that many new guys and to actually turn them into they have over 20 points this year in January. I mean, last year, it's like sniffing 20 points was like unheard of almost. So here it's they I have an outside chance of maybe getting that last home alley spot, but I think it's a little too far out of their reach. There's who knows, maybe they can kick it into gear and have a tremendous second half. Um, they're already off to a good start, but you know, it's a possibility. I think if they can play like they played against tech and they play like they did against Bowling Green, they're have a great shot to 
really make some noise in the playoff. It's it's unfortunate that they're going through the transition where if they pull off an incredible run and manage to run the table and win the tournament, they're not eligible <laughs> to make the NCAA tournament, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Um, but I, I, things are going their way. They're getting good goaltending from Aaron Trotter. They're getting good offense from some veteran players. Mag Byers has been on a tear this year. Um, I watched him when I covered, you know, Northern Michigan. And he, I, I don't know if uh, he was, they're still trying to figure out his role at the time. Um, you know, Rico said he's always been kind of like a goal scorer. The problem with him being on Northern's roster is Northern had a lot of goal scorers, and that's who Grant recruits. He gets a lot of goal scorers. So it's like he was kind of, shoved a little bit to the background because he's trying to compete against guys who pump in 20 to 25 goals a year. And so he was just, he was young and he was kind of in the background. So he decided to transfer. Now he's, you know, he and, you know, Josh Ernesty are basically the one, two punch of St. Thomas. And, you know, they're basically duking it out for who wants the lead and goals on the team. It's kind of fun to watch because if Josh starts to pull away, Matt will score two, Matt will score two goals to take the lead back. And then Josh will score another one to tie it up. It's, it's kind of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, he's been having a great season, kind of underrated. He did get forward of the week this week, kind of getting the recognition he deserves. It's, it's they're fun to watch you know they they were interesting at the start of the year because i was intrigued and see how this all would work out now it's like they're entertaining you when you go to a saint thomas game you you don't go in there thinking well let's hope for the best hopefully they can keep up with all these good teams now it's like hey maybe they can actually beat some of these teams we're we're buying a ticket to see a potential win not just Let's see what we have to watch. <laughs> You're actually like, <laughs> we might be celebrating at the end of the night, not searching for moral victories. So they're an interesting team right now. Well, remember, Rico says moral victories and well, victories, oh, yeah, I guess, don't count. So no, no, um, it, was, it was funny during the presser. Uh, a friend of mine um, was asking about moral victories. And I'm muted on Zoom, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, don't ask him about the moral victories. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> he gets angry when you mention moral victories. So, <laughs> so, so Ryan, yeah. let's, let's do this, because when you have a team that's playing well, um, you, you kind of want the momentum, or I should say, you want to be in a spot where you can have the, the best possible chance to keep that momentum going. Right. Um, you have a, a kind of a different, uh, you know, shall we say weekend coming up, uh, St. Thomas will be traveling to Arizona state. Um, now, not to say that, you know, many players that we talk again, 17 new faces, some of them have been around playing college hockey. Uh, but for St. Thomas, I think the biggest travel they've had to do so far, if I recall, um, I don't remember if they played anybody else last year that, you know, where they had to travel very far. Alaska. Alaska. They did go to Alaska. Okay. Um, but, you know, I would say it, Penn State is probably their furthest trip until Arizona this year was. I okay. Yeah. Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess what I was trying to get at is sometimes these long travels, I mean, they're, they can be exhausting. Again, the, the action of traveling um, you're, yes, you're flying yeah, but there's still logistics involved. Uh, you know, you have to kind of adjust uh, to that. It can be taxing on players. Is this road trip coming at the wrong time for the St. Thomas Tommies? Well, you know, it, first, it's funny because in the postgame presser after Friday's game, I asked Rico about the long road trip idea. 
And he said, it's just a two and a half hour flight. It doesn't bother us at all, which I guess is true, but still <laughs> you are flying to Arizona, you know, you are making a time zone adjustment. You are trying to, you know, dealing with the long track. It, it is, a, it's a reasonably long flight, two and a half hours. So it's, but he's also saying they're kind of enjoying it this weekend. It is a business trip, but there's got, there's this relaxed demeanor about the guys. And even around Rico is kind of a, take everything seriously kind of guy he was talking about going to practice wearing a golf shirt you know in 65 degree weather so <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen him be that casual in a monday press conference but um i did ask him you know they want they want to fight for points right now they're trying to still see if they can get home ice whereas everybody else is a non-conference action with the exception of bowling green but they're in first place so they would just be trying to hang on whereas everybody else northern there's a good chance they'll pass them and bump St. Thomas back to seventh. If they can, you know, get some points against Michigan tech this weekend, Michigan tech's trying to climb the standings and maybe still have an outside chance of the Manhattan cup. You have Bemidji who's trying to hang on to the last home ice spot. Everybody's in action and St. Thomas, this would be an opportunity to maybe climb the standings. Instead they're going to Arizona. And I asked Rico about that. Does it, is it coming at a bad time? But he's like, you know, if we didn't have Arizona State this weekend, we were going to have a bye, and we weren't going to be playing at all. So it's like we're just dealing with what we got ahead of us. You know, it's unfortunate. We wish we would be playing for points. But here, it's you can stay fresh. You could get, like, a big win over Arizona. A win over Arizona State would be huge. You it know, would be. Even though they're, ha- they're having a down year, but still, Arizona State, it's a name program. People know of Arizona State. And – that's a good way to market your guys kind of a statement, even though the pairwise doesn't really matter to St. Thomas this year, cause they're not eligible for the tournament. It's still, you know, you can climb the rankings and kind of build on that, especially when you're making a pitch to recruit. So it's, it's going to be an important weekend. It's just a little less because there's not points. So it's, it's, it's disappointing in that regard, but I think they're taking it in stride and they're just going into wear golf shirts to practice (laughs) (laughs) enjoy the weather and try to come home with some victories i think that's their attitude i think the best recruiting pitch uh will be 75 million dollars of it here ryan we saw that last week um it's gonna be a gorgeous building by the way uh from all the renderings that we've seen so far um so for just a recap for those folks who maybe don't follow the ccha super close uh again st thomas technically in a tie for seventh with 21 points with northern michigan uh in its uh fifth place ferris state at 25 points and bemidji at fourth at 28 so it's not unreachable uh, again ryan you know it's it's a bit of a hill to climb uh so and again you're not playing any conference opponents to try to at least maintain some ground in that respect um, but what do you expect out of this weekend against Arizona State? Um, you know, what what, what realistically could we see in this matchup? Well, um, the fun thing about points is that, and I'll lead in this, we'll talk about this more next week, but St. Thomas is playing a lot of the teams that they're trying to fight for position for, you know, with Mankato next week, and then they got Northern, and they got, you know, Bemidji a couple of weeks after that. So that's going to be kind of a fun little pennant chase to, you know, keep people interested next week. I'm thinking... I went bold. I always include my predictions each week. That'll come out tomorrow. But I went ultra bold. I'm picking a St. Thomas sweep this weekend in Arizona. Oh, oh I like it. <laughs> and how big would that be 
for Arizona, for not Arizona State, for St. Thomas, if they were to pull off that off and on the road too. I, I, it would be so huge. I mean, getting one win would be big to sweep the Sun Devils. I mean, who have their, you know, flashy new NHL level arena that they <laughs> flip that. To. It's the NHL team is renting yeah, out the college. Yes, that they <laughs> <laughs> to the <laughs> NHL franchise in the arena. But um, yeah, I mean, you're in a fancy facility. Um, you're getting to play on a stage. I, I wish it was televised. It's on the Pac-12 network. So, I mean, who gets that really? So it's kind of nobody here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wish it was because I could actually watch it. But I mean, still, it's like a mainstream program. You're, you know, you went in there with a dominant performance and getting a sweep. You're, you're showing, I think they've already tried to drop hints that they're, we're not the same team. We're here to play. We're here to win. And, but getting a sweep like that would just be like everybody should take us seriously at this point. And Ty Agner, who I interviewed um, for the preview for Bowling Green, he's a Bowling Green head coach, and asked about and he said, anybody who is about to say play St. Thomas and not expecting a tough battle both nights is fooling themselves. I, I think everybody's taking St. Thomas seriously. And to sweep the Sun Devils, like I think they're going to, would just – we finally arrived. Yes, you know, we may have not won conference titles or, or gotten home ice or something, but look at the wins we've got. We almost beat Penn State. We've swept Arizona State. We beat Bowling Green. We beat Michigan Tech. This, you know, and it would just be great. And I'm going bold, and uh, I just think it's going to happen. They've looked so good the last two weekends. I don't think Arizona's going to be – Arizona State's going to be the team that stops them. I think it'll be somebody else. I don't think it's going to be them. We'll certainly have to keep our eyes on the prize here, Ryan Stig, as well. Um, for those who are listening in or watching here on YouTube, you can please check out uh, the TripleD.com for the more detailed previews and recaps of all things with St. Thomas Hockey. We do have one final stop here on this tour across the great state of hockey, and it is the number two Minnesota Golden Gophers. So welcome, Andrew Cove, here next on the MNCAA podcast. We've gone all across the state of Minnesota, but we have one final stop uh, for those listening. Bemidji State fans, uh, Christian had uh, a busy day, so he wasn't able to join us. So we'll try to catch up with him next week. Um, we do wish Christian, uh, you know, the best. Uh, he's running an entire sports department up there uh, with Paul Bunyan up there in northern Minnesota. So uh, he'll be joining us next week. But uh, we have to start with the number two Golden Gophers, Drew. Let's be let's be honest. It's the number two coaches poll, but you're still number one in the Paralyze. You're still number one in the hearts of many Minnesota hockey fans. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, in the in polls and in rankings that count, the Gophers are number one. But in all the other <laughs> ones, they can be kind of whatever they are. But um, and you know, people can come after the Gophers for that. And you know what? I mean, they can just kind of go back and point out that they're number one in the ranking that matters. Yeah, the poll doesn't matter. The, the the coaches poll doesn't matter. The USA Today poll doesn't matter. Uh, we like to put weight on it during the season to kind of or during the early part of the season, I think, to figure out um, what teams are what teams are going to be worth paying attention to, what teams are going to have maybe a shot at the at the start. I mean, the reason the poll, I mean, it, it fluctuates a lot, especially in college hockey, especially from the beginning of the season. A lot of teams uh, end up kind of falling out that were up that were supposed to be good early, and then you, you realize, wow, after a bunch of games and 
maybe they're not that good. But uh, um, yeah, no, I think uh, it's it's pretty cut and dry. I don't really, I don't know if there's, no, I don't think there's too much, uh, too much more air we can give it because it's not really, not really a discussion. It's a, the, the, the poll that matters. The Gophers are are number one, the very best team in all the game. So. College hockey, where the uh, the the rules are made up, or and the points are made up, and the paralyze doesn't matter, or something like that. So, in I some people's eyes, in, in yeah, some, in some, uh, some eyes. St. Cloud fans' eyes, <laughs> St. Cloud people in my mentions that are because because those because those fans, and I you know we love our St. Cloud fans to death, but you know those oh, fans yeah. are always, you know so grounded and you know objective and anyways we, we've given that plenty of air. Um, Drew, let's recap some Gophers action, right? Um, are we really surprised what happened here? Honestly, um, I, I don't Wish think I could so. say I was. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, the Gophers are on a tear. We'll put it to you that way. Um, but at the end of the day, um, two overtime uh, contests with uh, a Michigan squad who, you know, speaking of polling, don't matter um, for a team that has had a pretty tumultuous Big Ten, you know, record uh, because. Yeah, to say the least, their their non conference is kind of buoying them a bit. They're still top ten in the pairwise, which again, for those who've listened to this uh, segment, that's the only one that matters. Um, you you were able to pull off a win uh, in night number one. Uh, Michigan answering night number two again, both overtime uh, contests. Uh, what did you like? This was a heavyweight tilt. It was it was such an entertaining series, and I think this is that's the kind of series where you, where you like, you, I think last year, I mean, you, you say, wow, gopher hockey is back. And you say college hockey is, is fun. And you, you can't tell me that, like, I, I know this is probably overused a lot for justification to watch every sport, but you can't, you can't, you couldn't have watched parts of that game. And I mean, yeah, even just parts of that game and come away saying, ah, college hockey is just not that, not that fun, not that enjoyable. Boy, <laughs> is that, that, that was what an, what an incredible series. And like, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we couldn't have asked for anything better than that um eight goals aside um a high scoring affair like we i think we i think we predicted uh before but uh um yeah just two two nail biters down to the end and, um i mean if you, if if you can't get just just really on the edge of your seat especially for i think for that 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 last overtime um obviously didn't go the gopher's way but man was that just a that was a high flying so many different chances um a really high flying period of hockey and and excuse me that was a that was a really fun one to watch. Uh, it's even, even regardless of the result, it was a, it was a very fun uh, couple of games. And obviously, yeah, we got some bonus hockey. So let's talk about the big 10 a bit here for uh, us, Drew, because I think this is a storyline that's kind of not getting enough recognition because, well, the big 10 gets blamed for the demise of another conference. Right. And it, let's I think be I've fair, heard of it before. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I've heard so. of that other conference. Yeah, we won't speak of that name. Because, Can't remember that off the top of my head, though. Yeah, neither can I. Um, but, you know, is is it kind of odd that, you know, the Big Ten, I mean, we, we expected some, shall we say, turbulence after uh, the transition to Big Ten hockey. Uh, but if we look up and down the list here uh, at the Big Ten standings, um, here's what's interesting to me. Penn State, Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin. Now, despite Wisconsin's, atrocious start they've actually played a lot better lately um is this big 10 conference the strongest in college hockey i i don't think there is yeah i i think i i might have alluded to it on twitter a few weeks ago but i mean it's it's not as i mean 
five years ago, you, you, that was a hot take. That was something that get people riled up. And, and, and even though it was a ghost pepper take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it, but today you, you say it and you get the same reaction, but it, it carries a lot more water today. It, it, it has mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of weight to it today. And I don't, I don't think that's a stretch to say that. I think, I mean, you look at, I, I think last week, um, five of the top 15 pairwise teams were in the big 10. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Like you can't deny that again, the, the poll, the, not the poll, the ranking that matters. That's, that's, that's how the playoffs are going to look. And I mean, even a few years ago, even when three big 10 teams made the frozen four, when it was here in St. Paul, I don't, I don't think you could have, even, you still might, it would have not necessarily been, um, gotten too many people on your side with that argument saying big 10 is, is one of the best conferences, if not the best and most competitive, um, conference in the game. Um, I think today that's a very, very different story. And I, I mean, I would say that I think it's, it's, it's the class of the game. I think in terms of just conference right now, um, in terms of the teams it produces and still while the teams beat up on each other, producing, um, uh, a lot of different, a lot of, uh, I guess, so-so results for most of the teams. Obviously, Minnesota at one end and Wisconsin at the other. Um, I think even when the teams kind of beat up on each other, that just strengthens um, their pairwise ranking too. And just kind of playing good teams is going to get you a better ranking. And look at that. There are a lot of good good teams in the Big Ten, which kind of elevate a lot of those matchups. And, I mean, the days are, are mostly gone if the Gophers really having – um, just really knocking out really tough pairwise teams in the non-conference schedule and then having cupcakes the rest of the way. It's not that way anymore. It's the Gophers. I mean, they haven't been expected to win even, even uh, as, as recently as how successful they've been. I don't think they've been expected to win the conference every single year outright. Like, because Michigan's obviously putting out the talent that they have. Um, Ohio state sneaks up on you. Penn state has a resurgence this, this year and they've been good uh, uh, in the past as well. Recently, um, Michigan State's had an, uh, an awkward year, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, they they were kind of knocking on the door at the start of the year. So it, it, it there's a lot of there's a lot of promise with this conference still, and I think they're still I think I think it's the best conference in college hockey right now. Hard to argue when if you include Notre Dame, which technically is sitting in a tie for 15th in the pairwise, six out of the seven teams would make the dance from the Big Ten right now, Drew. So, uh, and as you mentioned, this is what the Big Ten wants, right? They want that parity up and down uh, mm-hmm. their conference, right? And who knows, uh, could there be an expansion? Could there be some redistricting of some of mm-hmm. the college hockey conferences? Uh, there seems to be some limelight on that, uh, but we're going to save that conversation for another day. Uh, what we are going to talk about is the next matchup for the Gophers because um, it doesn't get easier, right? But it does go to that, awkward what the heck is going on with michigan state thing right um it's at home against mirichi a, a place that's again very tough to play uh and michigan state although they've had you know people scratching their heads at times they're still a capable hockey team yeah and i think one thing too that i'm not extremely too worried about the gophers results this weekend is mainly just the matchup that we saw early on i don't know unless they've really unless michigan state's really able to kind of change their game and adapt to what the gophers do um, I think I got to think the Gophers will walk over them again. Um, obviously, um, they've looked like a different team against teams that play with a different structure. And I think the Gophers kind of the Gophers style and especially their game in transition really, um, really 
was able to expose the weaknesses uh, of, of Michigan State. And we, we saw that, obviously, in, in a couple of wins. I think nine goals or something like that in, in the series um, just for the Gophers. And um, it, it turned into a really lopsided match um, in both games, I thought. But, uh, um, yeah, you, you never really know what you're going to get with Michigan State at this point. I mean, they they lost an overtime to Michigan Tech a day after just – kind of losing by a couple to Ferris State and Ferris State's certainly not the class uh, uh, um, around of college hockey right now. I think they're sitting in yep. the mid thirties in the pairwise. Yep. Um, but yeah, Michigan Tech's up there in the teens and obviously, okay, they put together a much better uh, result there, but then they lose a couple to Ohio State and then they come back and win a tie against, against Penn State. So um, kind of flip-flopping there, some good big 10 teams, especially pairwise ranking and conference ranking. Um, at least standing in the in in the with points, but it'll be interesting to see how this team uh, how they react to um, obviously a showing that they really really uh, probably want to have back against the Gophers uh, earlier at I guess back in 2022. Yeah, and you know that series uh, the Gophers outscored Michigan State 11 to three. It was uh, uh, as you mentioned a lopsided affair, but again, we're it's a different hockey teams uh minnesota has been well shall we say remotely the same but they've gotten better um so what can we expect here right you said you think you're going to roll over them what makes you so confident that this gophers team is it just is it just the scheme is it just the way that the goal i mean you can't deny the talent right um it's just michigan just that outclassed yeah i I think it's just like style of play and i think a few of the guys up front just talent wise don't necessarily match up I think the Gophers top line, obviously, I think it'd be the top line on in, in, those guys would be the number one guy on most teams in the country, any all any of the three of them. Um, and I think their their possession game and their their game in transition is uh, it's it's hard to I mean it's incredible. It's 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 really, really good every time they're on the ice. Um, they're able to command the puck and to keep possession and establish either a zone presence or a high danger chance. And I think it, it's going to be tough if Michigan State uh, hasn't been able to necessarily figure out um, what they what they all did wrong in terms of giving the Gophers a lot of space and kind of being able to get in and get down low and kind of establish the the offensive zone. I don't know if that can change. Maybe it does. Uh, obviously, Michigan State um, has a, has a lot of evidence on on what they weren't able to do right against the Gophers, and uh, maybe they can they can find a way to change that. But I think the way the Gophers are playing right now, especially against Michigan. Um, uh, I, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a sweep for the Gophers. Um, I think maybe, maybe Friday night, Michigan state could come out with a, with a win and then the Gophers storm back because they've been good at coming back this year. Um, but I, I, I think I see sweep right now. So what's pulls the million dollar question here for us, Drew, because I think it's, it's not hundred percent safe. Right. Uh, but you have, uh, including this weekend, uh, four series left. Uh, you've got Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State to round out the the Big Ten regular conference uh, schedule. So how important is it for the Gophers to just sort of worry about themselves right now? And I mean that in the sense that this is one of those critical moments in the season where uh, you want to feel good, but you're trying to get playoff ready, right? And not including Big Ten Conference, but again, this team was pegged preseason by most polls, ourselves included, to be sort of um, a national championship contender. Uh, how much is it about this time of the year 
to just sort of like just fine tune and just to make sure you're playing consistent hockey rather than, you know, trying to, you know, maybe sort of tweak or, you know, do too much is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, consistent hockey, I think is, is definitely the point um, that needs to be focused on through this entire weekend. I don't think the Gophers need to, they, they need to focus more on putting together a complete game both nights. I mean, a, a complete 120 minutes um, in terms of just like shift by shift more than they need to focus on beating Michigan state. If that, if that makes any sense, I think they need to focus on making sure they play the game that's made them successful and stay, stay to it without a shift off for an entire, an entire series, because we've seen at times where they can kind of uh, lapse a little bit. And obviously like the result last weekend, they'd be out of the tournament. I mean, it's, it, it was two really entertaining games, but um, they, they wouldn't be, you win one, you lose one. That's, it's it's win and go home so i think they've got to put together really complete games do what they do well um and stick to their game plan for every shift um without kind of any any lapses in in certain periods and and uh i think the result will follow after that i think if, if they can do that i think they'll they won't have to worry about beating michigan state um and then doing that for the next couple series as well to kind of focus on all right we need to get in the mindset of we can't lose another game even though they can't afford to right now, but they got to get in the mindset where we cannot lose another game. And this is, this is, this is, this is, this is all that matters and kind of getting towards the tournament and making it to the frozen four and ultimately a national championship game. It's hard to, to find a flaw in the Gophers game, Drew. And our final question for the night is if there was a flaw and maybe it is subtle, uh, what would be, one thing you'd like to see the golfers fine tune just a little bit uh, to be that complete contending hockey team. Hmm. That is a, that is a good one. And I think it's kind of finding that the, the stability on that fourth line. Um, Cause I know they've rotated through a bunch of different centers, at least this year. And I think Colin Schmidt's gotten uh, some opportunity recently, especially um, and kind of his size kind of makes him a, 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 a guy that, would make would make a lot of sense at least prototypically there um but i think that line needs to come together to definitely take take some of the pressure off to be as consistent to the gopher style of game and take some pressure off the 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 front end guys that are that are always out there and making different chances and obviously they'll be able to tire, tire out the the opposition just by being themselves but i think to be able to surprise some people with the lower lines um that's something that i think the gophers need to do a little bit better because they are very very, very reliant on their top guys. Um, but I think that's kind of a marginal thing. Um, but I think it, it's something that they will need to pay attention to because, I mean, every national championship team has a, has a very complete roster and they can roll four lines. So um, I think the Gophers, they do that and they do that relatively well most of the time. But um, I think uh, establishing some some more confidence in that in, in themselves on the, on the bottom bottom lines to, to kind of take some pressure off the top guys. That, That'll, that'll be kind of what they what I think they need to work on here down the stretch. Hard to argue because, uh, as we both know, uh, in playoffs, right, uh, you tend to take away your top two lines and it really becomes your bottom six that ends up being the guys that make the big differences, right, whether it's on the defensive side or contributing offensively, right, Drew. So uh, I'm with you. I think if they can get uh, just a, a fourth line that can you know, be, whether it's that shutdown role that Bob Mosco, that, you know, that prototypical hitting for checking line that you're not you know expecting offense from them, but more so just to try to eat 
eat up minutes and more so make them, you know, be uh, on the defense, meaning your opposition. I think that's the key for the Gophers. And uh, I mean, they're scary enough already, uh, but if you can add that wrinkle to, uh, you know, their feather, could be even worse. Uh, Drew, that's going to wrap things up here for this episode of MNCAA. Uh, be sure to catch us every single week as recap all of the week's action, plus preview uh, this upcoming weekend's action here. Uh, for all of our panelists, I'm Nick Max, and we'll see you back next week. And for uh, everyone else, happy hockey.